Hello, you're listening to the Mr. Money Jar podcast. Mr. Money Jar here. This episode is taken from an Instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety. This means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format. For example, there might be references to questions that appeared during the live, plus some audience interaction, and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey, yeah, hi. I don't know what happened there. That's never happened to me before. That's okay. Look, it wouldn't be an Instagram live if we didn't have at least one technical difficulty. We've had it all. Oh, no. There was an episode a few weeks ago. It was that really, really hot Monday where my phone got so hot, hot that it just shut down. It just turned off. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hot good. here today as well. Is it hot with you, where you are? Yeah, yeah. Sun's come back out, but I, I'm, I'm not going to complain. No, nor am I, but I'm in my office, so I'm pretty hot. But I just want to say, guys, I'm really sorry. I'm having a makeup-free day, so just got to put up with this. I'm sorry. Uh, not, no need not, to. Not no. I like to present, but I think I'm allergic to my mascara, so I just, like, going off on a tangent. Whenever I put it All on right. now, I have to, like, I like to make my eyes really itchy. So I thought um, I'm going to have a break and just, yeah. No, so, I'm, yeah. I'm going to have a, a mini rant, if you don't mind. This is just my view. I think, like... No need to apologize. Like, I don't wear makeup ever, and I never apologize. So, you don't need to. Need to. yeah, but I'm I'm very fair. So I'm blonde, like really blonde. I've got blonde eyelashes, blonde eyebrows. I'm very very blonde. So I look like I'm really ill if I haven't got <laughs> blonde. <laughs> so I, I'm going to apologize. Okay, cool. Um, without any further ado, then thank you for joining today, Francesca. We're going to be talking about budgeting today i'll let you introduce yourself to the listeners at home if you could please okay so i run the money fox it's a platform mainly for women but obviously for everyone to help with achieving financial freedom and just money joy i believe you should use money as a tool to create your happy life so that includes budgeting paying off debt earning extra money and building for the future cool how long have you been running the money fox for I think like three years now, but I, w I have rebranded. So I was called From Pennies to Pounds, but I rebranded that. All right. Cool. Um, there's another Pennies to Pounds who we've also had on the show. Um, there's lots out. of them, yes. <laughs> Shout out there. Um, but anyway, um, and we're going to be talking about budgeting. So how would you define a budget? What is a budget and why is it important? So I think of the budget more as a plan for your money as a whole so it's not just paying your bills it's more sorting out what you want to use your money for in your life so we all have the life that we want to live are we actually using the money that we earn for that so part of that is obviously paying bills but then you also want to make sure that you're prepared for things in the future you're saving for things and you're just planning for your goals basically so yeah a budget is a financial plan for your money is what i would say yeah the analogy that I like to think of is that a budget is to money what a diet is to food. Yeah. So it's sort of like your, your plan for what you want to spend. And when did you first start budgeting? Because I remember very distinctly when I first started budgeting properly. And it was a few years ago when I'd signed up to a gym, thought that I'd left it, forgotten, and then checked my bank account and seen that they'd been charging me for the last six months. I was like, I really, ha and this was like before you had all these apps and things that would send you notifications and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I need to 
keep track of this or, you know, this is going to happen again. So do you remember when you first started taking budgeting seriously? Yeah, well, firstly, you're not the only one that does it with their gym. In fact, I was speaking to someone who said that they were speaking to someone. I think they had three gym memberships on the go and they weren't going to any of them. So don't worry, you're not the only one. <laughs> but for me, budgeting, I think, well, I never, starting from a young, like not a young age, but when I started working and stuff, I never went over what I was earning. So I always took such a budget in that way. But properly budgeting was probably when, like, just, just before my daughter was born. So she's nearly nine, so... Cool. Are you still with me, friend? Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. Okay, wicked. Um, and like diets, a lot of a lot of budgets fail. Like people don't stick to them. People forget. Um, people maybe don't have the energy to continue to update them. So, why do budgets not work? And what are the major budgeting no-nos you've seen in your time? So the main problem I see is that it's not realistic. So, and this is literally with everyone I speak to that's struggling with their budget. So they will, it's usually food. Food is a good example. So if they say, oh, I think I spend 300 pound a month on my food, that is my budget. And then I'll say, okay, well, let's go back through your spending and add it all up. And then they'll come back and they'll go, oh my gosh, it was something like 800 pounds. Yeah. So if you're budgeting with the 300 pounds and you're actually spending 800, you're not helping yourself out there. You're not going to do very well with it. So what I would say is that's when you start to track your expenses and then you can create your budget around what you're actually spending and look at everything else. But yeah, mainly I think not using realistic numbers, but then you said it was kind of like a diet and I think diets can be quite restrictive as well. Yeah, they so can. You don't want it to be restrictive. You, want, you don't want to cut out everything because then you're just going to say, oh, screw this, this is, this is boring, I, this is no fun. Um, so you want to still budget for fun things. And they don't have to be really expensive things, you don't have to do crazy. They could just be going out for a coffee with your friend once a week or something, and that's not really expensive. So, yeah, I would say mainly not being realistic and probably cutting everything out, which is admirable, but it's not really going to work long term. Wicked. Well, that's a great segue then into my next question, which is how do you generally approach budgeting then? Um, for those of you who want to check out um, Fran's website, Fran has a, a range of budgeting pro products on there, um, both downloadable and physical budget planners. So I'm guessing you're a paper and pen sort of person. Um, how do you generally tend to approach creating a budget? Me in general or everyone? You personally. Good to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, well, I guess I, I kind of, I practice what I preach anyway, so I didn't know why I asked that. Um, so I would always say to track your expenses is the first thing, like I just said, because it needs to be realistic. And this is why I continue to track my expenses because things change um, from month to month. But when you are really good at budgeting, you don't need to do this like every day. You can just have kind of a rough overview. But for me, I have so many thoughts in my brain. I need to write things down on paper just seeing it down on paper just feels so much better for me. So once you know how much you're spending and then you look at the month ahead, because I do believe you should allow it to change from month to month, because like this month I've got my daughter's birthday. Obviously I don't have that every month. We head back to school and all those kind of things. Things change from month to month. So have a look at the month ahead, see what's going on if you have to factor anything in. And then I would list out all of your fixed expenses. So the things that don't change, like your mortgage and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And your variable expenses. So these are the ones that do change. And this is where 
most people have the problems because they're not using the realistic numbers. So you can go back to your um, expense tracker or go back through your previous bank statements and create it from that. So if you've been spending £300 on food, you know you can budget with £300. And you can cut that out later down the line if that's what you want to do. But then I also um, use sinking funds. So these are just small saving pots for things like birthdays and Christmas and stuff. And then um, you can pay your debt and any goals you have. So yeah, that was a kind of a quick overview, but that is how I do it. Um, yeah, so same, same thing on my side. So I have, I actually do fixed, I do fixed expenses and variable expenses, but I also do fixed and variable income just to keep track of, like if I've lent someone, if I've lent someone money, like I'm a bank, but like if, if I'm owed money or if I, I went through a really big kind of eBay phase where I was just selling loads of things, but I try and keep the salary separate from the one-off bits of money that come in as well. Do you, do you keep track of, so that's your money in, money out. Do you keep track of your assets and liabilities, things like student loans, if applicable, or like credit scores in, in your budget as well? I actually don't. Um, I don't see anything wrong with everyone else doing that. But for me personally, with like net worth, I never know whether to include my house as an asset or a liability and stuff like that. So for me, I, I know that it's going up anyway. So I'm quite comfortable where, with where I am. But if something like that really motivates you, then that's fine. I haven't got any debt or anything like that. So I know it's just going up. So for me personally, I don't. There's nothing wrong with that. Also credit scores, um, I'm not taking on any credit that I know of. Um, so I'm not bothered about that right now, but you should, you do need to be if you are going to be getting mortgages and things, but I've bought my house. So for me personally, I don't do that. But something I actually forgot to mention, which is a part sure. of my budgeting method that I actually trademarked. So I called it the extra income budget method. And that's where whenever I earn extra money, I throw that at my goals. So I don't cut into my normal, normal budget. So when I was okay. paying off debt, I was earning extra money and I just threw all that extra money at debt and it didn't touch my budget because I found that if I was cutting things out of my budget it wasn't fun for me because I was having to cut back on like food or savings and things like that so yeah that's what I do yeah I think that's really good where you can almost fix um like a lifestyle for yourself and work from that and then any extra money that comes in you throw it towards your future which if you speak to pensions experts for example they talk about when you get a pay rise, that's the best time to pay more into your pension. It's a similar little principle. That way you don't, you know, miss, you don't feel like you're missing out on any extra money. Yeah. I think it's a principle to stick to. Um, and as someone who creates budget trackers, because, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had um, Emma, the budgeting app on the show. Do you have any views on, you know, apps like Emma or Monzo that kind of break down your spending automatically? Do you think that those are of use? Or do you think it should be more of a manual approach where you get intimately sort of aware of what you're spending money on? I think it's different for everyone. So whatever works best for other people. If someone said to me, you must only use apps, then I'll probably have a lot of resistance and I might not like it. But it doesn't mean for someone else that won't work. So I do, I do think it depends on what you're doing. Some people are out, out and about a lot, so they like having it on their phone. Some people are on their phone a lot for work and they don't want to be on their phone all the time like me. But I do think that writing it down kind of triggers something in your brain. Like it's more psychological. It feels more realistic and you can't really fiddle with it like you could on a spreadsheet or something. But I love Monzo. I use Monzo for my sinking funds. I create loads of little pots. 
for them and I actually use it as a business bank account. So I'm okay. all for Monzo. I'm, I'm all for whatever works best for everyone. And I would say be open to trying different methods, try them out and, and see what works best for you. Cool. So as I saw, so I use, um, I use apps and I use spreadsheets and I've not really deviated from that for the last maybe three or four years. So what would you say to someone like me who's been this completely digital person? Because I'm, I'm open to coming up with, with new ways to budget. So is there any way that I could be changing up how I budget? Well, does it work for you? It does, but you do make an important point around physically writing something down and that triggering something in your brain. What happens to me is when I do my monthly finance routine at the start of the month, um, everything's just kind of already there categorized. So I've not had to kind of look at the the truth of the situation in a way. Yeah, I see what you mean. I think if you reviewed that and you thought, okay, is this actually helping where I want to be, then you could think, oh, maybe I'll try another method and just see how it goes. And you can always switch back or you could do both at the same time and see which one kind of works best for you. But I just think it's about what you enjoy doing, what you're going to stick to. And there's nothing wrong with changing it up. You can do one thing one month, one thing another month. As long as you're consistent, then I don't think anyone needs to do one specific thing. It's all about what works best for you. Cool. Do you have any tips because it's quite common now for people to have their main bank account that they get paid money into. Then you have like your Monzo or your Revolut that you kind of put your day-to-day spending on. And you have another bank account that your bills come out of. Yeah. Budgeting when you have lots of different bank accounts, do you have any methods for that and how to keep that sort of neat and tidy? Well, it depends how many you have and what you've got going on, but really automating it all is going to help. So I don't really see why you'd need like loads of different bank accounts. Like you said, the ones you named are probably quite good. But if you've got a bank account for like savings, for example, that's not really something you necessarily need to track because you can track it going out of the other. So I would say, again, see if it works is working for you. If it feels a bit all over the place, then you might want to maybe streamline it a bit. But if it's working, I don't see a problem with it. Wicked. I'm very easy. Um, I'm very easygoing. Just do yeah. it like guys. <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm gonna. Sorry if this is a bit tangential, but I um, I read about, for example, the the benefits of meditation. Um, quite a few years ago, and it took me a long time to get into it. And the reason why I didn't is because I had read about it from very prescriptive sources. It was like you need to sit down like this have your hands like this. If you don't start floating after five minutes and you're not doing it properly, have your eyes closed. And it's actually like, fundamentally, it's just about um, focusing on what's happening in the here and now and focusing on your breathing. And you can do that standing up, sitting down or whatever you want. And I think it's the same with finances. When you are too prescriptive on how people should be managing their finances, I do think it can result in people feeling like they're not doing it correctly and then not doing it at all. So I do like the approach that you have where it's like it needs to work for you and it needs to serve you. It's a tool at the end of the day. Yeah, but I do think, to be fair, some people are so overwhelmed. They just want someone to say, look, you need to do this, this and this. But then, like you say, it can get to the point where they think, well, this isn't working. Like budgeting or whatever is just not for me. And it's not because anything anyone's done anything wrong. It's just because that specific thing hasn't worked for them but 
they liked having you know the method in the first place but i try to keep it quite flexible cool um so let's assume we're talking to someone who's starting a budget for the first time they've made the list of all of their income all of their fixed outgoings and all of their variable outgoings and any savings they've got it either on paper and pen or in a spreadsheet how often should you um review revisit the budget make changes and so on like it might monthly might be the case for for most people but do you think of any other kind of frequencies so when you're just starting out and if you're just starting out because a lot of people that are just starting out and they come to me have problems with spending so this is where i would say track your expenses every day and i know that sounds like a lot of work but if you've just bought one thing that's going to take you like 10 seconds to write down mm -hmm. but i also think then it becomes a habit so you sit down you write it out and then you're kind of what i say to do is to analyze it so if you've bought something you can sit down and think okay did i just buy that because i was really hungry and i didn't prepare my lunch or did i buy that because I had a really bad day and it's, none of it's to make anyone feel bad or guilty about the spending. It's just to kind of analyze it and think, why did I do that? And is there anything I could do to perhaps help myself out next time? So I would say when you're starting out, track your expenses every day and you can maybe adjust if you need to as you go. You might find, you may find that you're going way, way over in one budget category and perhaps you need to jiggle a bit. But I do say to people, when you're just starting out, you might find yourself negative. Um, it might not look great when you're yeah. doing the first budget. Yeah. And that's okay because we can analyze it step by step and just kind of jiggle it. And then people go, usually people say, oh, I'm really unhappy with this budget category, how much I'm spending here. And then that's when I would say, okay, well, why do you think it's that much? And how can we plan to make it better? Mm -hmm. But once you've really got a, a hold of budgeting and you're happy and confident, then it doesn't need to be any more than like a month, like you said, I think. Whatever's keeping you on track, basically. Some people might need to do it a bit more often, but it's just about what works best for you again. Wicked. We've actually had a question from um, from Matt. And, that, and the question is, do you think it would make everything easier for people if they were paid twice a month rather than once? I think that works for some people and not for others. But when people are paid more than once a month, I would suggest creating two budgets so you need to figure, you need to figure out what this paycheck is paying for and what this paycheck is paying for so some people find that really difficult some people find that really easy a lot of people say they really like being paid weekly but um i i've never had a problem with monthly that's always how i've been paid but yeah if you are getting paid every two weeks then i would say create two separate budgets i'm not sure if it would be easier for some people or not I think it depends on the person and what they're paying out for, really. Cool. Um, let's see what my other questions are around budgets. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're a coach as well. Yeah. So what kind of services do you offer to, to clients? Um, do you offer like a sort of a, a monthly sit-down service or like programs? How do you, how do you approach that? So I've only just started and I've been doing like a power hour before okay. I finalise all my packages and stuff like that. So at the moment it's just like a power hour, but it's been so good. And they've been rebooking as well, which is really nice for me. Um, and it's just to talk about whatever they want. But 
for a lot of people it's just being a sounding board because a lot of them don't have someone to talk to about this kind of thing or perhaps their peers are in the same situation and no one's kind of moving forward so a lot of people like to talk to people who have been there and done that so a lot of people might be um, in debt and they want to figure out how to budget and all the rest of it so I think a lot of them know what kind of what to do they just kind of need a bit of a push which I'm good at. <laughs> cool. Um, well, we've come on to the part of the show where I'm going to hit you with some rapid fire questions, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. Um, these get asked to, to to all of the guests on the Mr. Money Jar show. So um, first question is, what's your biggest money achievement? Biggest money achievement? Oh, can you pick one? What would it be? I have a few, to be honest. Hit, hit, hit us with all of them then. Okay, so paying off my debt, um, leaving my ex-husband and surviving as a single mum on my own, uh, buying a house, and then, I, and then I bought my house with my new partner as well, so I bought two houses um, in my lifetime. Um, yeah, that might be it actually. <laughs> That's a lot of great achievements. I love this question because um, it used to be what's your biggest money mistake? Um, and then I did a did an episode with Laura and more, and it was all about being positive. And I was like, we just can't. Yeah, mistakes are in the past. What, what's the stuff that you've done? Mistakes That's what... are okay though because I feel like people can relate to them quite a lot. So my biggest money mistake would be marrying my ex husband. That would be. Mm -hmm. So don't yeah. worry if you're watching and and you've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to do um I'd love to do an episode about that actually because um my girlfriend and I are, are currently buying and we had to do uh, a life insurance um questionnaire and they asked us absolutely everything and I kind of turned to her afterwards I was like we're not married yet but it kind of feels like we are like when you buy an asset together they literally want to know everything yeah definitely it's really interesting um, very important. What's the best piece of money advice you've ever received? No one's ever given me money di advice directly, ever. <laughs> I don't think. Um, I've just found it all out by myself. So I think the biggest thing that I found out for myself, really, is you've got to make your money grow. So for me, it was always in my head, I think, earn money, and then you use that for your savings, like buying your house and all the rest of it. But no one really told me about like compound interest and mm -hmm. investing mm -hmm. and pensions and all the rest of it. And yeah. I've been trying to share that more on my Instagram as well, because whenever I do, everyone's like, I've never heard about this. But yeah. I think that is something really important we all need to, to talk about. Using the money you get to grow even more money, yeah. that's probably the best thing I came across that like, really yeah. stuck out to me. What about you? I'm going to, so my, my, the best advice I received was, um, you know, like save on the day you get paid. So that, and that for me is a, a major budgeting technique because you save on the day you get paid and then you can't go over budget. You know, you can just spend the rest of the money however you like and you kind of check it and you adjust over the course of the month. But the point that you just made about not understanding how to use money is so true and Sorry if I'm going sort of full-on conspiracy theorist, but I think it's because like we live in a consumer-centric society and 
there are loads of really wealthy people at the top who stand to gain from people knowing how to buy an iPhone, but not knowing how to invest in Apple. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong with either, but when you live fully on the con consumer side, then you're beholden to the people who pay you and the people who, who sell you stuff. But yeah, there's this whole other dimension to saving money and growing it and signing up businesses and stuff, which I think should just be you know, taught from a very young age. Yeah, I agree. And you can only, only to look at what happens to the economy once we stop spending in lockdown. Well, we didn't actually stop spending. We carried on spending, but a bit differently. And yeah, everything kind of went a bit crazy because people weren't spending as much. They rely on us to spend, basically. So yeah. 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 Yep. Third rapid fire question is if you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to win 10 million pounds, how would you spend the money? That would be very nice. And I would be totally open to that. <laughs> I don't actually play the lottery, so that's kind of impossible. But um, I would, it would be a mixture of things. So it would be like, I would buy like investment properties, I'd overpay my mortgage, I'd put it in my pension, I would invest it, I'd probably open some more businesses. Um, and then I, I wouldn't actually spend that much. Um, I'd probably go on some like nice holidays and stuff. My mm -hmm. boyfriend really wants a Ferrari, so okay, I miss Ferrari. I'll stay with my, I'll stay with my really old Honda. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I think this is really interesting, and I, I did a post about this ages ago, and I said, okay. whenever anyone asks that, normally we list all the things we want to spend it on, so we say car, house, clothes, holiday, and then and then they go, oh, and then I'll lift off the, live off the interest. But there's no interest to be made, because you've spent all the money. You spent all the principal, yeah. Yeah, so I think it is really important. And again, going back to what I just said about growing that money, all the things I listed would get me more money. So then once you, once you have more money, then you can start spending it like crazy if you want. Yeah. Invest for income first, then live off the money generated from that investment. Very sage advice. We've actually just yeah. had another question from Alexa. What was the first investment you made when you reached your first savings goal? Do you mean investment like in myself? or first investment could you clarify please alexa my first savings goal what was my first savings goal probably buying my house my first house um that was my investment <laughs> yeah the first thing i don't really know i've always had goals so i i had no like years and years ago i had no money after i had my daughter and i really mm -hmm. I really sat there and I could analyze. I analyzed for years what's going to make me happy, like truly happy, not like um, consumerism things, like, but what's actually going to make me happy. And I knew that one of them was a big one was laser eye surgery. I had laser eye surgery. Um, and I knew that was super important to me because I've actually wanted it for 10 years. Um, yeah. And that was one of the, th the things, as soon as I paid off my debt and all the rest of it, I saved the um, yeah, laser eye surgery. So I had that that done. That was that was my first thing. I felt really selfish for doing that, and uh, I felt like really guilty. And then I, I thought, no, this is what you've wanted for a really long time. You've saved up. It was a lot of money, um, and it was the best thing I ever did. And I'm always telling people to get it done because it is the best thing ever. Even though it's really scary. So I don't know. Oh, in terms of assets or shares. Um, so I have the Vanguard Life Strategy 100 fund, but I can't. I'm not allowed to advise that, but that is what I, that is what I have. Wicked. And the final rapid fire question is, what are your future money goals? 
Oh, I have so many. Um, at the moment, we are overpaying the mortgage and investing and putting money into pensions and stuff. But far into the future, we would like to get a rental property um, and be financially free. That is the end goal. But as we go along, we just want to make sure we're really happy. Things are easy, but we're working really hard and putting everything into things that are going to help us grow. That's wicked. Well, that brings us yours. Oh, my future money goals. Um, I would love to um, be full-time on Mr. Money Job. That's a good so, um, yeah, just full time, full time on business, um, and this is this is like a ten year thing, you know. Like business um, takes a while to develop, and for me, financial independence is really important as well. So, um, you've got the whole like fire community thing, and it's like financial independence, retire early, and I'm really interested in the financial dependence side, but I think the retire early side doesn't really appeal to me that much because I would love to have something that I enjoy working on, like regardless of whether it makes money or not, and just continue to do that until I become old, essentially. But we've just had a couple more questions in, if it's okay. Yeah. Um, Ask away. From Save Like a Bear, what's your view of competition in the coaching space or no such thing? Um, I am all for competition. We're not really in competition. We're all... Um, we're all doing our own thing. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of people doing it, but if people come to you for coaching, they're coming because it's you. Yeah. People have come to me not because they've never seen any other coaches out there. They've come to me because they feel like I can help specifically with, and they've all said that because I get them to basically fill out a, like a questionnaire once they sign up. And I always say, why do you think I'd be a good fit for your coach? And they always say something very specific to me. So if people, if you feel like people are going to gain something from you specifically, then I think that's a good thing. And by the way, we all have imposter syndrome where we think no one's going to be interested in what I have to say. But I promise you, they will. Wicked. We've got one more question. Um, but before I announce that question, I'm going to do this week's book giveaway. So this week's book giveaway is a personal finance book that's, really really important to me and was pivotal in um, my approach to money it's called the richest man in babylon and i'll be sending it to the first person who can give me the full name of the author in the chat oh. yes. um <laughs> next or should i say last oh we've actually had another question so i'll ask both of those um from michael is there any point in buying a house when prices are mad high they are mad high. I think that depends on a loads of different factors. Are you buying because you want to take advantage of the stamp duty? Um, or are you buying because you have to buy? Or are, are you getting, a lot of people are like, oh, I need, to, I need to buy a house because of the stamp duty. But then are you spending more on the house despite the stamp duty um, leeway? So I I think it depends on so many different things. I personally don't want to sell my house and buy another house because I love my house and I don't need to move. But some people are looking to move and they're happy to buy a higher price. But yeah, I think you just need to weigh up a load of different options. If you're happy to wait, then you could just wait. That's not really helpful. But <laughs> there's too many variables, I think. It's different for everyone. 
We've also got, well, the questions are sort of pouring in now. And um, we've got a question from Aisha. Should you pay off debt first and then invest or both? Wanting to move also. Okay, so with debt, if you have high interest debt, there's literally no point in investing because you, you're just not going to get anywhere. However, something that I do say that I think is different to a lot of people is that I think that investing is a habit because we are so worried about investing. It's something that a lot of people take a lot of time to, to actually do because they're so nervous about it. There are places like apps and websites and things where you can invest for like one pound. I think if you do something like that, that's a really good habit to start doing for a pound. Um, but I would generally recommend paying off debt first before investing because you want to pay off your past before you start sorting out your future, basically. Yeah, what I'd also add on to that is I can't remember what the average credit card interest rates are now, but we'll use, say, 20% APR as an example. Warren Buffett is the most successful investor in history, and he was able to grow his company at an average rate of 20 or 21% a year, and this is over the last few decades. And this is with all of the insider information and all of the special tricks and tools of the trade that he had. So unless you think you can beat the best investor in history after debt, you're much better off paying off 20% of debt and then investing afterwards. So I completely agree with the high interest point. We've got two more questions and then we will go to closing remarks. Is it better to overpay mortgage or keep money as a deposit for your next house? Uh, like again, I think it depends on so many different factors. Um, <laughs> we are planning on, well, we're not, this may not be our dream home. We haven't decided yet, but we're still overpaying on mortgage. Um, because the, in, we just, well, to my partner paying, overpaying the mortgage and getting rid of the mortgage is the most important thing for him, for peace of mind. So I would just work out all the figures and, and decide when do you want to move? Again, there's so many different variables. When do you want to move? How much is the house that you want to want to move to? What area are you moving to? There's so many things that go into it. I would just say do the sums and, and make a plan that is best for your situation. Thank you. And final question is from Josh and Yemi. Considering taking out a maintenance loan with more than I need, considering investing it in some high growth long-term stocks, which would allow me to earn more than the interest? Any advice? So if you're investing, nothing's guaranteed. If you actually look at investments, they will go up and they will go down, up, down, up, down. If you take them out when they're down, you may have lost your money. So that's something to bear in mind. It's not risk-free, it's very risky. There's obviously things that are less risk, like investing more in bonds and stocks. But if you want to get that money back, um, I probably wouldn't invest. Yeah. yeah. On the student point, Josh, um, a very similar question that I received the other day was on whether you should use your student overdraft to invest in stocks and shares. Lots of people have, certainly I did when I started uni, signed up, gotten the three-year interest-free overdraft to pay for things like books and travel and so on. While the temptation to invest, um, that money might be high because you're not paying any interest on it overdrafts can actually be called at any point. So if you've invested and you get a coronavirus level event, which means your investment drops by 20 or 30% and 
and then your overdraft is called and you can't give the money back, you could find yourself in hot water. So borrowing to invest can be quite risky, as Brandon just said. But yeah, that brings us to the end of the episode. We've talked today about budgeting. We've talked about how actually it's not that prescriptive paper and pen, daily, monthly, twice weekly. It needs to work for you. It's a tool. We've talked about um, ways to structure it. So looking at your fixed expenses, your variable expenses, the different apps that you can use to invest um, and um, and I think they're sold out at the moment, Fran, but Fran does have um, budgeting products on her website. Do you have any closing remarks for the listeners that can be done on budgeting? If you haven't budgeted before and you feel a bit apprehensive about it, I would just say go into it with a really positive mindset. None of it is to make you feel bad. These are your actual numbers that you're using. So not want to look at it isn't going to help you because that's what you're spending. It doesn't matter whether you are avoiding it or not. That's what's actually happening. And yeah. it's all about having a plan. I'm all about having a plan and working towards your goals. If you're just kind of putting out fires everywhere and kind of muddling through in the dark, you're not going to make a lot of progress. You know, when people try to budget, so for example, a lot of people will try and save. They'll put money in savings. They'll feel really good. And then something will happen during the month and they'll need to take the money out of savings. And then this happens again and again and again and again and again. And they're like, why isn't this working? I'm trying to save and then something comes up. But you can prepare for the things that come up. You can budget for miscellaneous things. You can budget, you know, sinking funds. So when it comes to Christmas, you have saved all the money throughout the whole year and it's there. Otherwise, if, if we didn't do that and it got to Christmas, I know that I would panic because it's a lot of money and a lot of people just want to spend it anyway. And that's when the debt cycle can begin. So it's all about just like, planning for your future that's a good thing it's an exciting thing you can you can look and see and say look I'm going to be okay it's everything's covered as best as I can you can get your emergency savings and all the rest of it so just about making a plan to move forward and it's going to be a good thing it's not a bad thing I think budgets get a bad name but I think that's from not budgeting properly you can call it whatever you want you can call it a spending plan an income plan a goal making spreadsheet Anything you want. Wicked. Um, just before, well, thank you so much um, for, for, for coming on the show, Fran. Just before we wrap up, Fran and I will actually be speaking um, together again this Saturday at 1 p.m. at the Showmos. It's a digital conference, so we'll be sure to share details about that as the week goes on. Congratulations to Tafara Celeste. The full name of the uh, author of The Richest Man in Babylon is George S. Clayson, or Clarkson. I don't know how to uh, pronounce it properly. Your book will be on its way. Thank you to everyone at home for tuning in to today's episode of the Mr. Money Draw Show. We will be back at the same time next week, and I hope everyone has an awesome evening. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye.